2: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Autumn Circadian Moms. I'm Nicole Hartman and with us as always is Tina Matthews. How's it going, Tina? Good. How's it going with you? It's good. It's a beautiful day today. So we are really excited today. We have our first actual real guest besides our husbands. So <laughs> we have Kelly Erickson with us today. How's it going, Kelly? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. So Kelly is a holistic health practitioner who specializes in mental health and trauma healing from a quantum perspective. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Great to have you today. Thank you.
2: Great to see you. And <clears throat> before we get started, we just always want to say, you know, not medical advice. We're purely just having a conversation. So. Correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I hate that we have to say that, but. You never easy. know anymore. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So let's jump on in here to these questions that we have for you because you cover some really fascinating topics, uh, especially with that, that quantum lens. And so before we get started, let's briefly explain the difference between artificial blue light and blue light from the sun. Sure.
1: So, uh, blue light from the sun comes with uh, a whole spectrum of colors. And we know this from shining like white light through a prism. It breaks apart into the rainbow of colors. And so, when you're outside at any time, there is a blend of colors available, though we can't see it with our eyes. When we talk about blue light from artificial sources, like a, any sort of screen, um, or your light bulbs in your house, um, most of that comes with, it's predominantly blue. And that's a problem for our bodies because this blue light is really high energy. And um, it, it, it doesn't have the other colors of the spectrum that help kind of balance it out. So this blue light is, is essentially toxic for our system
0: yeah i think the best way i've ever heard it explained was like there's junk food because it's like it's processed and it's not natural and then there's junk light which is processed
2: and also not natural yes that
1: like is it's like, that simple
2: it. yeah it's really it really is kind of it is that simple like yeah. you know i think sometimes we want to overcomplicate these concepts but it's like yeah this is junk light yeah. And of course, as as you have done and, and looked in with your research and everything, you see the effects happening uh, with with kids all the way into adults. So how did you actually get into this? Um, so it
1: started with my son when he was about seven or eight years old. Um, we noticed uh, ticks in him. You know, he was twitching his nose and twitching his head. And, um, I had him seen by several practitioners and they said, oh, he'll outgrow it. It could be a movement disorder, but we don't diagnose that until later. And we eventually got into a neurologist. They told us for sure that it was Tourette's syndrome. They did call it a movement disorder. Um, and that kind of just started the whole thing, um, They didn't tell us that with movement disorders, there is oftentimes other diagnosis that come along with it. Um, So the movement part was an answer, but it didn't explain what else was happening to him. He had stopped sleeping. Um, I later learned something called oppositional defiance disorder. Uh, And then, well, so you know, we were having problems with him in school. He wasn't paying attention and he was really smart. He was a really smart kid. So I just didn't understand what was happening. And we made a big decision as a family. We were going to pull him out of school. We were going to sell our house, buy an RV and travel around the country. Um, and at the same time, I decided it was time to get my health in order. So I decided it was time to quit drinking. And I did that. Uh, we hit the road in the RV. And about eight months into it, I realized, you know, some something bigger is happening here with my son. Um, there was a lot of anxiety. There was depression. Um, this oppositional defiance disorder was really prevalent and so um, we sought out the help of a doctor. We happened to be in Arizona at the time. And I w- took him to a naturopath. They ran some blood work on him, wanted to test him for mold and Lyme and pandas and all of these other things. And when we went back to get um, the, the results from the blood work, they told us that likely bipolar or schizophrenia was in his future, that his blood work already reflected that of an adult who had been diagnosed and he was nine just turning 10. like i think he was not quite 10 yet and um you know as as
0: i feel like there's so many parallels between your story and nicole's story because it's like you get these diagnoses and they don't really tell you all the information so as you're going you're like wait now they're gonna have diabetes or now they're gonna have um like you said but the bipolar or schizophrenia and it's like we need
2: <laughs> yeah like now what
0: you know, yeah of all, do all the information up front yeah. so we can fit before it happens instead of like oh now he has this yeah yeah good luck yeah i'm sorry that must have been so hard
1: <laughs> it yeah, was for sure and- And they just sent us away with some supplements. There weren't really any answers or anything to, um, you know, try to resolve it. So I prayed all weekend and um, come Monday morning, I opened up Instagram. I started asking questions with some big, you know, influencers that I followed that were kind of in the health space and someone pointed me in the direction of a particular doctor who also happened to be in Arizona. She got us in the next day and she told us ketosis and sunshine was the answer. And I thought, um, this can't be possible, but we we'll It really be it that, that simple. That. Yeah. Yeah. Because at this point we had tried a lot of different things and nothing made a dent in any of it. So it took about six months because of the oppositional defiance disorder. I could not get him to comply. Um, so it took about six months before I could get him into ketosis. Uh, and, but we were doing a sunrise every morning. We were getting midday sun exposure, um, all of these things. And as soon as I got him into ketosis, within two weeks that oppositional defiance disorder really started to disappear. He was like a new child. It was incredible. Um, so we did that. And and it, in that six-month period of time, I wasn't doing ketosis, but I was doing sun with him And I thought, well, in order to get him to be compliant, I'm going to have to do this myself. He can't be the only one in the family eating this way. Um, Plus, I was pretty overweight. So um, I did it with him. And about six months into my journey of doing it, I recognized something way bigger was happening besides losing weight. Uh, I was essentially healing my childhood trauma. Like, I co- I couldn't believe it. It seemed impossible. Like, how is this even happening? I had been to therapy for 20 years of my life. I had done all different kinds of therapies and it, none of it ever touched the trauma. Um, so I started studying and um, I, I followed people like Carrie uh, Bennett and um, I just picked up on different words and I would study that word and I would study a system and a part of a body or the body. And then I decided to go back to school for nutrition. And that was, you know, a beneficial aspect. It, it helped me learn about the body in a really basic level. And, um, and then from there, you know, I realized that wasn't, nutrition wasn't enough. There there was the bigger component. Sunlight was playing a really big role and I needed to figure out why. So, um, yeah, I just took to studying on my own. I followed every account that talked about the sun. And this was, well, gosh, four years ago. So there weren't a lot of accounts to follow yet at the time. Um But I did some work on the side with Carrie. She really helped guide me and gave me books to read and all kinds of stuff. I listened to every podcast I could get my hands on. Um, And yeah, so it just went from there. And then I ended up signing up for school um, to become a functional mental health practitioner. Because people need to understand that mental health issues are so much more um it's not a death sentence it really isn't there are so many different factors that come into play when we talk about mental health that if you for one person it might be that their gut microbiome is way off their light environment could be way off um, so they're not sleeping well They might not be eating the right kinds of fuel like fat and protein. Maybe they're just not getting enough or chronic stress, unresolved trauma, all of these little factors that can come into play when we talk about mental health, all of these things get overlooked in the mental health world in a large part. I can't say entirely because the paradigm is starting to shift and people are starting to look other places. Um... But yeah, so both my son and myself saw some really radical changes by changing our diet and our light environment. And so that really inspired me to um, help other people.
0: I just have to interject for a minute because nobody can see us. But as Kelly tells her story, Nicole and I are nodding like, yeah, totally relating to this. Like we didn't deal with the same things, but uh, the testing and the diet's not working. and randomly coming across an account about the sun and just figuring out that it's not what we were led to believe our issues were. Oh, for 100%. Yeah. And I, mean, I imagine I, lots of people listening are also nodding their heads and <laughs> being
2: like, yeah. This yeah. Is. Well, I couldn't help but think. So I taught in the public school system for 10 years. And when you mention oppositional defiant disorder, holy cow, like I can't tell you how many, you know, IEPs, five and fours, like all that kind of stuff you see with that label. And I, for example, I'll give you one kid that I, I, I taught and he, I loved him and I taught physical education. So people liked coming to see, you know, kids like, like to come to see me and he would do well for me, but my gosh, this kid could just flip a room in a minute And often would be put into, let's say, quote, unquote, a padded room. Well, he ends up going to a psychiatric facility and then comes back, you know, a couple weeks later. And the kid sits down and facing the wall on his knees and just sits there and refuses to participate. Meanwhile, his lunch is nothing more than king size Reese's peanut butter cups and pizza. And never sees the light of day. You know because they're forced to be inside and so when you say that it's like how many kids are in need of just these these basic life you know like it's here every day and to hear that amount of healing that you were you were able to find and implement for your son is just it's incredible Yeah. Great job. Like, awesome.
1: (laughs) it, It is. It's heartbreaking. I volunteered a lot in the school and just the amount of kids in the classroom with different disorders from ADHD to autism, you know, all of it, um, and, and then, you yeah, you realize that it's a product of their environment. I mean, they, they likely inherited something from mom. You know, maybe mom wasn't that healthy when she got pregnant and gave birth, which I know was um, part of my issue, not with my oldest son, because I didn't give birth to him, but with my other two Um but yeah, just changing their environment in some really small ways can have a huge impact on them. And these children are suffering. They're miserable. I mean, my son was Henri, but, you know, he, he he was sad too. He didn't like behaving that way. He didn't like being that way. But he couldn't control himself.
0: It's, it's did so he have sp- bad. Oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, just, yeah. you see these specific disorders just exploding right now the adhd and the oppositional defiance disorder and autism and it's like how much of it could we control and how much of it is out of our control
1: yeah. Well, that brings us to a really good topic that a lot of the research is starting to show that circadian rhythms or broken dysfunctional circadian rhythms plays a big role in a lot of these disorders. Now, is it the main cause? Hard to say for sure, but like ADHD is much more prevalent in areas where the sun doesn't shine as much. You know, I mean, these nature didn't make any mistakes when, or God, whichever, you know, you prefer to um, reference, you know, the sun didn't just all of a sudden become toxic to us in the last 50 years. (laughs) Something else changed, right? And that what changed is how we interact with our environment. We moved from living and and working largely outdoors to living an indoor lifestyle surrounded by toxic junk light and non-native EMFs.
2: And then never coupling it with the idea of going outside to kind of relieve all of that, I guess, maybe a purging of all of that. uh, You could say toxicity. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I had a follow-up question. Was your son able to communicate any of his, any of his feelings other than just different behaviors? Like, could he, was the expression? Okay. Yeah. That that's the, I think that's one of the most difficult parts. And I know Tina, when, when your little one was little too, it's like, they're just giving you signs and symptoms. So you have to be attuned to those, but you're the detective. Yeah. But if you yourself are struggling, you know, as the parent, That's not always easy to see either. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a balance, right? Your kids are kind of a mirror for you and kind of hold up your own dysfunction in a way. Why is that so true? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, But it. it, I mean, it's a good thing because it forces you to evolve as an adult, right? Like you look at these kids and you want nothing but the best for them. Like you just love them. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is be by being the best version of yourself, right? That is so true.
2: Yeah, you so you don't want them to 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 experience the things that you've had to experience along the way, that that pain and misery. But yeah.
0: Especially so. as parents who have had trauma, I think that becomes our number one goal, where we're like, our kids, we don't want them to go through the trauma that we have been through. So how do we we have to heal our own in order to pass on that like no trauma, healthy lifestyle. So do you think that blue light affects people who have went through traumatic
1: events? A hundred percent. So I think it does a couple of things. I think the blue light that we're bathing in constantly now makes us more susceptible to uh, trauma. And because trauma isn't necessarily the act of something happening, it's how our body responds to that thing that's happening. Um, And so I think that living, you know, surrounded by blue light all the time, it disrupts our circadian rhythms. And there are now studies that show that they think that PTSD develops in people that already have disrupted circadian rhythms at the time of the traumatic event. I have a little bit of a different theory and I can't quite prove it yet. So I need the help of someone like Dr. Cruz. But um, I think that PTSD is the byproduct of melanin breakdown. And Go ahead. Ooh, I was just going to say,
0: like, can you explain that for me? Because I. So,
1: my thought
0: process is
1: PTSD didn't show up in the medical literature until the 80s. And the 80s is also happens to be the time where our light environment changed drastically. We went from using incandescent bulbs to LED bulbs. So, the timing seems um, interesting. And then when you think about what would have caused PTSD in years past, well, soldiers, right? We think of soldiers often, they go to war. Well, what happens during war? They have these big massive explosions followed by the witnessing of dead bodies, you know, destruction on a whole Shell shock. Level. Yeah. Yeah. And when, so melanin is an antenna in our body essentially, and we have it all over the place in our eyes, in our ears, our skin and everywhere. And so what, what I think happens is that these large explosions, the flashing of the bright lights and the really loud sound destroys the melanin in our eyes and our ears And then we have a whole cascade of events that takes place in the brain, then followed by witnessing some sort of um, traumatic images of dead bodies and whatever. That's what I think. I think that it has to be coupled to the melanin process. But I can't, there isn't any literature to make that connection. And I can't, I don't know the body in and out the way someone like... Dr. Cruz would. So I can't say that that is for sure, but that's what I think.
0: Yeah, I can see that making sense. Almost like at the same time, there's destruction in the body, you're witnessing it out of the body. And then how do you still be healthy and process everything? Yeah. With that going on. Yeah. It's
2: very difficult. (laughs) You know, like that would be like Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that would, but that, what a, what an awesome perspective to look at it from though. I I don't say awesome in that, you know, I'm glad this is happening, but uh, just, it's a different perspective that I think potentially could offer hope. Yeah. Well, and
1: so, so then recovering from PTSD would require rebuilding your melanin sheaths which we do under the light of the sun with fat and DHA and all of this stuff, right? And so that would explain why I was able to heal those symptoms of PTSD. I no longer have nightmares. I no longer have flashbacks, right? All of that stuff is gone. Now, I won't say that the sun cured my emotion. Like, I still have memories Um, I still, that storyline is still part of who I am. So I think there is the other aspect where you still need to work through particular things, you know, on the emotional and spiritual level. But I think from that physical standpoint that creates the actual symptoms of PTSD, I do believe that melanin plays a role in that. It's that heliotherapy
2: concept, like I'm going to use the sun to get to that certain point and then I I have to do something else too with it so exactly wow that's
0: it kind of merges like what people are already doing for PTSD with the therapy but then adding in like the quantum aspect of it like they just we gotta do both I think
1: yeah absolutely and so I don't know if I answered your original question in its entirety
2: I think the discussion was good other anyway. Okay. So okay. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so we kind of talked about like kids and the mental health issues. If I guess because oppositional defiance disorder, that would be considered mental health, right? Yes. And then I think ADHD could have that too.
1: Yes. There is you know, these diagnosis are really kind of challenging because there, there isn't a, a blood test per se to say, oh, you fit this category. It's based off of family members, um, you know, saying that this is the behavior of the child and then a doctor sitting with a child for maybe 20, 30 minutes at most, and then they get a diagnosis. But a lot of these diagnoses have overlapping symptoms like ADHD and PTSD. A lot of those things are very similar. And um, so it can be difficult to even differentiate between some of them, you know. Um, And with oppositional defiance disorder, a child doesn't... It's kind of like they just don't want to be told what to do. And they can... (laughs) Um, pick and choose. It's not what it's, it's not always with everyone in their life. It can just be at in the school setting, it can just be with a parent or a family member, or maybe just with other kids. So sometimes they have the ability to control it in certain areas and not in other areas. But i mean when you look at that behavior itself couldn't that just be a symptom of you know trauma taking place at home or you know some disruptions at home in the emotional environment or lack of support from the child but yet they're given this diagnosis and then would be thrown on medications And then this child would never have a chance to work through any other possibilities like, oh, maybe there's some issues with mom or dad at home or 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 maybe the child's being abused or maybe they're being emotionally neglected. Any number of things. Right. Or uh, have a poor diet or poor light environment. So um, these symptoms or these diagnoses can be tricky at times and the flip side to that is once someone gets a diagnosis they become kind of attached to it it can become part of their personality or their characteristics or even like a
0: crutch to lean on like i feel like acting this way so i'm going to do it because i have this diagnosis.
1: Exactly. Or I have this diagnosis. So why even try, you know, why put myself out there? Why, you know, my parents are just going to expect me to do X, Y, and Z anyway. So who cares? Yeah. It
0: also changes the expectation of the parents
1: like for the kids. So yeah, exactly.
2: But I I think too, is that you could present two different kids and they are in very similar situations and one is just being louder about it and so I think for me that is like that is attention worthy for me to start paying attention to those signs and symptoms like they're just it's like I have a need for help can you please give me some attention you know help me figure this out because like going back to what we said before they sometimes don't have the words for it you know, so it's just, yeah, kids are very amazing to observe, you know, yeah. because they, it, it is what it is.
1: And uh, I, I don't know, it's crazy. And you're right. It is a cry for help because I was an adult at the time that my son was behaving this way and I didn't have the language for it. I mean, I wasn't educated in this area. I didn't know what oppositional defiance disorder was. I thought bipolar and schizophrenia were for really, really crazy people, right? I didn't (laughs) didn't realize the spectrum of it. I'm sorry if that offends anybody who's listening, but, you know, we put these images from or we get these images from TV or movies Mm -hmm. or whatever. I was going
0: to say that they portray it a specific way and that's how you see it in your mind. Exactly,
1: exactly. And so one of the defining moments of watching my son, um, he was sitting there watching TV and he started to like pull some imaginary thing out of his ears. And I, I, I I mean, I knew He, he was either seeing something or, or hearing something or, you know, some, something that I couldn't see was going on. And, um, and How yeah, did you keep so, it together? <laughs> like, oh, you I know what I like. But you, maybe you didn't. I don't know. No, I didn't. I mean, I ran, you know, straight to my husband. And, I, you know, I record my son when he, you know, didn't know I was looking and, you know, show it to my husband. And, like, you look at this. Something isn't right. But my husband wasn't concerned. He, I don't know. I think dads and moms have it's a. so different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of times I'll do that too. I'll record something and be like, "Look." And then my husband will be like, "I think it's probably fine." And I'm like, "Oh no. We'll be investigating yeah. this."
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sure my husband thought I was the crazy one for <laughs> a long time. Uh, why?
0: Why is that so relatable? Well,
2: no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's what I always say. Yeah,
2: I'm a little crazy. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way.
1: Uh, right. You have to be, right? I mean, there isn't any doctor or anyone else that's gonna be as invested in your child's health as you are. It's yeah. just not and nobody sees them as
0: much as we do. Nobody is pays as close attention to their children as a mother. Yeah. Like we're hyper focused on our kids.
1: Yeah.
2: For sure. And- I was go ahead.
1: No, go ahead. That's okay. No,
2: I was I had a thought in my head today of like what do I you don't want to be in my head. What are the things that <laughs> I think I just do too many gestures. Um, anyway, uh I, what do I actually know? You know, what do I know because I know it and it's my kids. Yeah. You know, like you you know your kids and, and in like your heart. You, you and you know it, like you know how they sound, you know what their individual laughs sound like. You know when they're feeling sad, you know those things. And so for the life of me, I can't understand why I I'd hate to pick on this these people like doctors and in, in the modern medical system, like why don't they believe the mom, you know? Right. Yeah. I yeah.
1: guess because their degree trumps our um, knowledge. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. Of our own child.
2: Yeah. yeah. It, it might. Yeah. The knowledge trumps what you know about your own child. But um, it, I I think too, like you're probably like Tina and I, where you're that like solution finder. So Kudos to you, obviously, for continuing to search when you knew something was amiss. So and that that's that's very common in this modern mom world, I think, like we have to fight. like we have to keep finding something to make it right because you know it was wrong exactly so. and you
0: anyway. know too, like in your heart when you're like, something's not right, but I know that it doesn't have to be this way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th-
1: I mean that's the other part is I knew, and I don't know how I knew, but something just told me this isn't the end. I'm not just going to take this diagnosis and just accept it. And maybe that's because I'm a little bit hard headed myself, <laughs> and I don't really like <laughs> to be told no. You know, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, yeah, I didn't accept it, and we spent so much money. On the doctors and the different rabbit holes and the different supplements. And we did undas and we did electro, um, not shock therapy, but I can't remember what it's called, where they put the electrodes on his brain and he watches something. And then, uh, they try to retrain, um, what's going on in his brain. I mean, we did, we did so much stuff and really it was sunshine and ketosis. And those were the two things that provided the greatest relief. And I'm not going to lie and say that he is cured by any means. Um, He's very, very susceptible to any sort of changes in his environment. Um, He, you know, A food additive can cause a massive headache. He gets nosebleeds. I mean, just different things, right? And so we have to be really mindful of what we expose him to. But he's also at an age where it's kind of becoming his responsibility. He's almost 15. And so it's like, hey, I have given you this set of knowledge. You have been present in front of all of the doctors and learned right along with me. And so now it's time for you to kind of take this into your hands and, and you get to decide how you want to feel. And so, you know, if you don't mind feeling junky, then go ahead. And, And he's a kid, so he's gonna choose to feel junky to get his, you know, temporary enjoyment. But I have no doubt that when he becomes an adult, just like anybody else, we get tired of our own. Mm -hmm. junk right we get tired of it we get tired of feeling tired we get tired of feeling you know like crap and making excuses and then we find the motivation to change so do you ever feel like you can breathe uh no (laughs) yeah no it's it's exhausting yeah yeah
0: So a weird thing, like with my son, when he watches too much TV, I notice his pupils get really big and like almost to the point where it's like, where is your iris? And why is your pupil so big? Like, and I think that it's a dopamine response to, I don't know, blue light or screens or a mixture of what's going on on the screen and the blue light. Do you notice anything with dopamine responses?
1: Oh, yeah, he's, I mean, so kind of to back the story up a little bit farther, he, um, his mother is someone different, and um, when she gave birth, he came out and he had the shakes, and they thought she was doing drugs, so they tested her and all of this stuff, and she didn't have anything in her system at the time, but I ended up working as at a, pharmacy as a pharmacy technician, she happened to be someone who came in. And so I knew that she was on antidepressants. So there was probably a pretty good chance that she was taking antidepressants while she was pregnant. Um, There was also word that she drank while she was pregnant. And so anyway, he came out, he had the shakes. Uh, he had to stay in the hospital, in the ICU for a week and had to be held by a nurse constantly to keep him from shaking. Um, so there were signs of stuff being wrong kind of early on. He had digestive issues, um, sleeping problems. But I, one of the things I noticed from a very early age was I didn't have the words for it at the time, but it was a dopamine problem. I watched him become addicted to sugar. Really, I I mean, like, all kids like sugar. But the way that it stimulated him and the way he couldn't stop himself, um, I I noticed pretty early on, um, he we've also just had problems with him having impulse control issues um recently he got on his device and spent a couple thousand dollars <laughs> over Whoops. a period of time so he was getting a dopamine hit from it Gosh. every single time coupled with the fact that it was a secret you know so he was doing this um you know yeah there, there is a dopamine problem, but that that also goes with a movement disorder. Um, movement disorders are anything from Parkinson's to Tourette's, and we know that in Parkinson's they have a dopamine and melanin issue in a particular part of the brain. It's very similar to Tourette's in that manner. So yes, dopamine plays a big role in his diagnosis. So there, just for the
2: general listener here we're seeing the correlation between dopamine and blue light as well correct and then its impact on the center's central nervous system is that how you kind of of like because obviously the central nervous system cognition memory movement all of that kind of stuff so do do you find
1: that as well um in the sense of like does he well so A few months back after he got in trouble and got caught spending that money, we took his device away um, and it was gone for almost three months. And we did see periods of time where his ticks were less or non-existent, which we had never seen before. So I did get really excited and thought, oh, it was the blue light, and and then you know we removed the device, and he's not going to have ticks anymore. It wasn't the case. Um, they did come back, even before he got his device back. Um, but yes, b- the blue light, but also coupled with the really fast movement in the video games or the swiping. Or the really short videos that they do on TikTok and YouTube now, you know, that is a massive dopamine stimulator. And so if you're a parent and you've ever given your child a device when they were little, like, oh, here, look at the phone for a minute while I do this, and then you try to take it away from them, mm -mm. you just took their crack away from them. (laughs)
0: that is that was um something that we had to figure out as parents kind of early on because after our kids would watch tv and this was before the blue light blockers and all of that they would like change almost like their personalities like they couldn't play hey they were whiny they were funny, just like just like night and day from before we turned on the tv and after we turned on the tv yeah screen brain
1: yeah
2: that's a good way to put it. it. It, it, you can't help it. You feel sorry. I, I, I end up feeling sorry for, for kids. These, like, I hate saying these days, you know, like, <laughs> like an old lady, some, you know, like turned 80 years old overnight. Yeah. But, um, it, it is like, I, I feel sorry for them. Like it's things that we didn't have to deal with, you know, like that constant looking at a screen, like that kind of stuff, you know, to be outside, um, i i feel i just feel sorry for them like it's yeah it's a different world for them
0: i saw something the other day and it was like you know i feel bad for the kids who never get bored because when you're bored you find your passion yeah these kids are never bored they never like figure out oh i really love soccer because i'm bored and i'm kicking the ball or i like to play the guitar Who would have thought Or when
1: right when you were little, you went outside and you did cartwheels and somersaults and Mm climbed up the tree. Right, rolled down the hill. Yeah, Yeah. ask the ask most kids to do a cartwheel nowadays or a jumping jack, even (laughs) they can't. They don't have the coordination or the core strength. Yeah, yeah. So
2: that jumping jack is really interesting. It's that cross brain activity. And so if I'm never. You know, stimulate if I'm not climbing, if I'm not doing anything, reaching across. If I'm, yeah, exactly. Like that's because those are predictors of reading as well, and uh, it's 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 the mind and, and screens in the body. Like you know, the movement. It's just incredibly fascinating when coupled together. Like it's it, it's amazing. I I think that leads to a, another question here. Then is what are some tried and true mitigation strategies that you could recommend to let's start in the home and then we'll go to school and then to teachers in the classroom?
1: Oh, yep. So in the home, um, I think one of the best things that you can do is when your children get up in the morning is have sunlight be the first light stimulus in their eyes. So if they Go to school and they're up before sunrise, get them some, you know, red tinted blue blocking glasses, keep them on until they're able to go outside and get that sunlight stimulus. Um, giving them a good uh, sleep hygiene or teaching them good sleep hygiene. So going to bed at the same time or roughly the same time every night, turning off all screens, including the TV, after sunset. Uh, using the red tinted glasses um, or red light bulbs in the house after sunset, um, feeding them a good um, breakfast full of protein and fat in the morning to get them going and um, fuel their brain Keeping their room dark at nighttime. That's another big one. My kids like sleeping masks. That's a good one. And they all have their uh, night table or their light on their little nightstand. And everybody's got a red bulb in their room. Um, Getting them outside as often as you can, encouraging them to go barefoot uh, letting them play in the mud and the dirt. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's actually really good for them. Um, you know, if you have pets or there's, you know, the neighbors have pets, letting them pet and interact with the animal. I'm kind of watching this trend of parents kind of being overly protective, like wash your hands or don't touch that or, you know, and it's like, mm. No, we, you know, there's a reason that we can go outside and interact with our environment and get some really positive benefits, even from petting animals, right? We can gather electrons, it can help regulate our nervous system, playing in the dirt in the mud helps give them good bacteria, um, being barefoot on the ground, again, the electrons, all of that. So yeah, I'd just say get your kids outside as often as possible and taking regular breaks from devices. Our rule around devices during the school year is that no screens during the week, only on the weekends, and they have to have their blue blockers on. We keep windows open, covering their skin. Oh, I was going to say to you, Tina, about the eyes and the pupils, that could be a histamine response.
0: That would make sense because I have in the past like month or so been putting the dots together and realizing that I think I have a histamine issue. And um, so it makes sense that my oldest son ends up getting the histamine issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, those would cover the basics for at home. Okay. And then how about at
2: school? This could mm-hmm. be for both uh for, st- for the student and then for the teacher. Yeah.
1: So um, a good thing you can do is have a rapport with the teacher, you know, become friendly, get involved. And then when you're comfortable talking to the teacher and, you know, even showing them videos or research on it, um, I believe it was John Ott who did the study mm-hmm. on children under the artificial light, Mm -hmm. looked at them for a week. They were all misbehaving. Nobody could sit still, all of that stuff. And then the next week they turned off the overhead lights and opened the windows and let natural light in. And the, and it's the exact same kids behaved entirely differently. I I mean it, it's, Crazy. it's mind blowing, right? So, you know, informing the teacher because she doesn't or he doesn't want to sit with 30 students who are <laughs> bouncing off the walls, right? I mean, their job has got to be so challenging. So, they would benefit from it as well. Um, But you could also talk to the teacher about, you know, when they have school parties or school functions, maybe offering some healthier choices for the snacks that they provide. So I don't know about you guys, but this last year when my kids did go back to school for a year, um, the amount of junk that they were fed, I mean, so they were having something called these K prep tests, I think is what they're called, where they test for like a week you know, it's the assessment test. And they had the parents write these lovely letters and stick them in a sealed envelope so your kid can open them before the test, right? I thought, oh, this is so great. They're prepping the kid, like making them comfortable. Well, turns out right before the test, when they handed the letter over to the children, they also handed them a bag of candy. Mm -hmm. Right before this really important test. Yeah this should help you sit still and take a test have all this sugar. Yeah go ahead. So you know just talking to the teacher maybe getting to know some of the other parents and seeing if anybody else is on board because oftentimes there are other parents who care. Just they're too afraid to say something or they've tried to say something in the past and it fell on deaf ears. So um, I think that's really good. Also, you know, asking the teacher if she could squeeze in an extra recess can always happen, but sometimes if they have a good principal, you know, they can squeeze in some extra time outdoors. Um, And then making sure that your kids are wearing the blue blocking glasses at school. Um, If they have a school computer, you could I don't know if it would let you install the iris software, which helps turn the screen red, but you can get like a piece of um, not plexiglass, but that really thin plastic material Mm -hmm. and stick it over the screen to also add additional protection. Educate your child about not putting their laptop on their lap or on their body at all. Um, hmm.
0: So you think for the blue blockers, like during the school day, yellow? Would be fine, or
1: yeah, I would do yellow. Um, that way they don't get sleepy. They can still see things every, you know, fine.
0: Because they might get made fun
1: of a little less because the
0: yellow is more. That's true. I mean, not that they'll get made fun of, but kids are mean. Sorry, they can be, but they are also
1: really curious. And they are kids went to school with the glasses on. All the other kids wanted to know what they were, you know, and so then kind of. Yeah, it kind of started a little trend where then the other kids started showing up with glasses. And I mean, it wasn't that they were all wearing blue light blocking glasses of the right kind. Oftentimes, they were the clear screen, which doesn't really do a whole lot. But it's the idea, right? They're educating the other kids, even in if it's just a small fashion. So...
2: I, love I mean, the other day at our kids' jujitsu, I was wearing my yellows and a seven-year-old told me they looked really cool. So uh, I got that going for me now. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You're the cool <laughs> mom. Yeah. Now, those are great strategies. I, 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 Again, like you said, I think it's really underestimated that the power of just simply turning off some lights and opening a window. And even if, you know, they have that, what is it, the security light that always stays on in a classroom, Uh-oh. like it totally brings down the mood. It totally just makes, makes you feel nice and relaxed. Yeah. So yeah, it, those, it's just really time and time again, I think we're just proving that it's just really the simple things in life that make some huge impacts. Yeah. So those are really great suggestions. Thank you. Um, any final thoughts, Tina or Kelly? Um, I, I loved this conversation. I feel like
0: this is so important to get out for, I mean, you just, you hate to think of this trend continuing. So if we can help lessen that burden a little bit for anybody, I love that. You've been a wealth of knowledge. Thanks.
1: I would say too, for anybody who's listening, even if you already have kids, if you're thinking about having another kid or you haven't started to have kids yet. I would spend some time cleaning up before you try to get pregnant and by cleaning up, you know, I mean, you can utilize the ketogenic diet for even a short period of time is extremely beneficial um, following a seasonal local diet, eating according to your location, um, getting some sunshine yourself, fixing your circadian rhythms. Cause that's huge. And, you know, just, eliminating some of the toxic things in your life, whether that's toxic people or a toxic job, because all of these things that you carry in your system will be passed along to your child and you want to give them the best opportunity to start with. So yeah, I guess that would be the last piece of advice that I would have.
0: Yeah. Start, start as early as you can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: just for the listeners, where can they find you, Kelly, if they want more information?
1: Um, So I'm on Instagram. My handle is Kelly Croft. um, And the last name is spelled C-R-O-F-F as in Frank. Um, My married name is Kelly Erickson. So um, my Instagram account was created long ago. um, So it still has that. But That's really it. I am on Twitter. Uh, My Twitter handle is Kelly Erickson. Um, I don't really use it at the moment, but we are starting a roundtable type podcast, my friend Lauren and I, and we will be hosting those over on Twitter. So if you're interested in learning more about um, the quantum lifestyle and anything that might fall into that category, you're welcome to come on over. I'll post the links before we have an episode. And it's really cool because over on Twitter, it's interactive. So all of these people who are listening can raise their hand and we can move them up to a speaker post and let them kind of interact in the conversation. Um, we've got some great people lined up already to speak on some of the first podcasts. So I will be over there as well.
2: Awesome. Um, All right. Thank you for sharing today.
1: Yeah. Thank and... you for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for Absolutely. coming on. All, All, right. Right. All right. Have All a right. great week,
2: everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.